I love those songs. Good evening. Glad you're here. Do you know why the Apostle Paul says that love is the greatest? You know why? I think you do. <laughs> um, okay. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. We're talking about um, this, about how to build unity of the body. And a little bit of overlap what Dan was talking about this morning. Dan and I always seem to overlap. Uh, <laughs> and um, really, it's a misnomer. Uh, how to build unity in the body. A little bit of a misnomer because of the way the apostles uh, talk about unity. Uh, And we'll look at that. We'll explore that together uh, some this evening. Um, But uh, one of the first things that strikes me is um, there there is a whole set of things that uh, there's a whole set that we really need to be doing uh, together as God's people, as God's family, that uh, helps with uh, unity, uh, but it comes from somewhere. And, um, and uh, actually, every single person sitting here who's been baptized into Jesus Christ uh, received the Spirit of Christ, received God's Holy Spirit uh, when your sins were forgiven in baptism. And uh, so the Holy Spirit of God not only resides in people sitting here together, but the Holy Spirit of God is trying to bring, trying to pour out the love of God into each one of us all day long. And uh, so there is a a huge connection when the apostles talk about uh, really literally preserving the unity of the Spirit Um, That's really the task. The task is, here's Jesus. He's done what he was supposed to do. He has the Father send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very busy trying to sanctify us, trying to make us holy, trying to change us, trying to transform us by the awesome love of God. Uh, The whole reason why Jesus Christ came in the first place that, uh, that set of connections is what we want to talk about tonight. Um, but there are things, because of that love, that we need to do. Uh, we need to, in particular, build each other up in Christ. Everybody who is in Christ has been given the Holy Spirit of God. And part of what is supposed to happen is we're supposed to build each other up in love. Um, you, you read, uh, you know, what is it that, that the Holy Spirit produces first? It's love. It's agape. Um, and then other things come up after that. If you look at why love is the greatest thing, it's because without this agape, holy love of God, dominating us, there's, there's no reign of God. There, there's no joy. Without the love of God coming into our lives and, and kind of taking over by the Holy Spirit of God, without that, there is no joy, there is no peace, there is no kindness, there is no mercy. 
It's, it's the active ingredient. It's, it's, you know, anybody make bread here? Uh, okay, yeah, I know. Uh, we got some bread makers. You gotta, you gotta have an active ingredient for the thing to really take off and to grow. And uh, it is agape, it is love. Now, we're gonna look at a whole set of uh, scriptures tonight. I hope you can stay up with me. Um, I wanted to just make one little note, though. Um, on July 15th, I put this little tiny list of things uh, on the front of the bulletin for a reason. Because when Cheryl and I first came to Laurel on a full-time basis, 2011 or whatever it was, seven and a half years ago, this was the list that I generated and I just put it back in the bulletin again seven and a half years later because it's the same thing we're trying to do. We're trying to do this. There's 16 things that you can tell when a congregation uh, is actually doing God's will. Um, it's, it's those 16 things. And a lot of this comes out of what we're going to be talking about tonight. The other funny thing, and I guess it's not that funny, is um, this, <laughs> this PowerPoint I used, uh, more or less, I used one year before Cheryl and I came to Laurel full-time uh, in order to um, encourage the Laurel congregation in terms of its unity. So um, it's interesting how God works. He's, he's a very, uh, not only methodical, but very consistently weaving certain things together. And, uh, and I, I love that myself, but uh, this, is, this is a very meaningful thing to kind of revisit. Now, I just want to mention a few things about what Jesus said that uh, relates to, uh, to unity in particular. Um, but um, some of these passages, just, just notice in, in the second one there, Matthew 6, 14, uh, all the way through chapter 7, um, he, he ends up saying a number of things that talk to us about what is at the root of unity. And uh, starting with when he says, uh, Father, forgive them uh, because they don't know what they're doing. Um, this needs to resound in our heads because sometimes we do things and we think at the moment that's a good thing and then we realize that's probably wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, that's, that's, that happens with human beings uh, all the time. And Jesus, on the cross, is saying to the Father, please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They really don't know. They don't understand. Um, in uh, Matthew 5, 9, Jesus is talking about uh, peace. Um, the peace that... Um, uh, in particular, that you and I um, need to have uh, in our daily living, um, in, in the body. Matthew 12, 25, he's talking about a house divided cannot stand. Jesus talks about these different principles related to unity all through uh, the Gospels. John 17 is all about uh, seeking perfect unity. He's talking to the Father about us being united as he and the Father are united. And then Paul uses that language to talk about in Romans 6, about how you and I are united with Christ in baptism. 
You know, there's, there's a unity, there's a oneness, and that, those two words come up all the time. The unity sometimes actually is translated the same as, as oneness, and it has to do with being one, it really in harmony, uh, enotes, really one. Um, so in 17, he's talking about oneness of all of God's people, um, and then in Luke 23, he's, he's saying again, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Um, now, take a look at then what the apostles follow up with, talking about this. Um, and if you would, real quick, um, just uh, take a quick look in uh, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter two, verse eight. It says, uh, we know that the law is good when used correctly. Uh, for the law oh hold on a second. Maybe this isn't it. <laughs> um, it. It is for people who are lawless, rebellious, who are ungodly, sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother, commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral. Um, anyway, he's, he's actually, I think this is the wrong one. I'm so sorry. He's, he's uh, starting off talking about living a life of faith in God. And um, uh, take a look at Philippians uh, 2.21. Philippians 2.21. And uh, I was just wanting to isolate um, pretty much the, the one verse that uh, Joe was, was reading there. Um, All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. We spent this morning talking about the will of God. God tries to you know, explain something about his will in the law. God tries to explain something about his will all through the Old Testament and in the Proverbs and in the Psalms and all through. But really, one of the things that Paul is trying to convey to all of these churches is that you and I individually need to all be looking out for the interests of Jesus Christ. We need to be lifting up Jesus Christ, not our own stuff. Now, You've been around long enough to know that most of the um, problems that occur in the church have to do with people getting crossways with each other because they have different ideas about things. Um, and um, th- this gets right to it. This one verse, uh, there, it's, it's not okay for each person just to kind of be looking out to themselves, caring about what they care about, uh, I, I don't know how many times I've had people kind of have pet peeves, you know. They always want to bend a, a preacher's ear about their pet peeve or something wasn't quite the way they're used to or whatever it is. Um, we, we need to be focused on the person Jesus Christ, just Jesus. And we need to make sure that what is important to him is dominating the conversation. 
in terms of character, godliness, righteousness, you know, mercy, grace, love, uh, all these things that Christ has brought to us, that's what needs to dominate the conversation. And this morning in class, I was trying to explain, too, that, you know, the, the Apostle Paul tries to make it clear several places that if you're a servant of Jesus Christ, uh, you're not supposed to argue. You're not supposed to quarrel. Now, you, you know, there may be some different ideas, different views of what certain passages say or whatever. We can talk about it. But a, a servant of Jesus Christ, you know, really submits himself to Jesus Christ. And he is all about, or she is all about, what Jesus Christ was all about. And Jesus Christ wasn't talking about pet peeves and something that kind of got him upset some Sunday morning or something. He's not thinking about that. A little bit like uh, was talked about this morning. The will of God is a bigger thing. It is a kingdom thing. It has to do with God reigning. God being the one who dominates. Uh, not you and I kind of sparring or getting upset with each other as, as individual human beings. But our submitting to the same God. We have the same spirit of God in us. Trying to help us to submit ourselves to God for his purpose. Um, and so uh, that's, that's where the, the energy needs to be, uh, to be brought to bear, is in, in our submitting together to the Lord uh, for his purpose. Um, what, what matters to Jesus Christ needs to matter most to us. And that's why I started off talking about the greatest thing, because the Apostle Paul makes it very, very clear that it, it is the thing that lasts. You and I need to have faith. We need to have faith. Uh, when, God, when God initiates and loves us and comes for us, if we don't have faith, if we don't have a loyalty response, a faith response to him, we can't even fully receive his love. We can't even, we can't even take in the love. We have to have faith in order to receive this love, this holy love that is going to change us completely. So the faith has to be there. And there's hope. There's hope because God is the one who's in charge of the whole process. And elpis, the word for, for, uh, for hope, actually has an, uh, uh, an edge to it that has certainty to it because of what the hope is in. Who the hope is in. It's in the one who is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, who is in control of everything. So this, these... Um, Different verses actually, you know, deal with some of what we have issues with. Uh, I want to look real quickly at Colossians chapter 3. We go here pretty often, but we could just stay in Colossians chapter 3 uh, nonstop and, and benefit. Um, but part of what Jesus, uh, was important to Jesus, what, of what, what he is looking for, uh, is told to us by the Apostle Paul here. And he said, uh, he says, starts off in chapter, chapter 3, uh, take a look at verse 13. He says, um, before this, he, right before this, he says, Since God chose you to be his holy people that he loves, thank you, that's, that's the baseline, you must close yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But then he gets really specific. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Now, sometimes you and I don't even want to admit we have faults, but we do have faults. 
We do have faults, we have weaknesses, and we are actually supposed to make allowances for each other. That's part of what grace does. It's part of the mercy, the tender mercy thing. He just got done talking about tender-hearted mercy and kindness. Can you imagine Jesus talking about the oneness of God's people being like the oneness of the Father and the Son if this, this wasn't possible? The Colossians, this Colossians 3.13 it, it makes it possible. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 makes this, this unity possible. And it means that we make allowances for each other and we forgive anyone who offends you. That's the wording. Forgive anyone who offends you. You know how many people I know are sitting in churches who somebody who has offended them and they still haven't quite let it go? I think it's a lot. I think it's a big number. So somebody did something, said something, and man, you're still kind of burning on it. Or it pops back up on you every once in a while. Um, that's, that's contrary to what the apostles are saying. The apostles are serious. They're serious about this. If the love of God is going to take hold, it's going to require patience. If the love of God is going to take hold, it requires gentleness and tenderheartedness. Otherwise, the love of God isn't going to operate. I mean, these things are what the love of God are. Um, we'll look at a couple other uh, slides here in a second. But th- this is pretty key. And then he goes ahead and he says, Above all, above everything else, clothe yourselves with agape, which binds us all together in what? Perfect harmony. You know how many people I know who've been through tough things in churches and they read this kind of terminology? perfect harmony, oneness of mind, of the same mind, they read some of these passages and they almost can't accept them. They almost think that's, that's not even possible. Oh, it's possible, all right. And it's the standard to which the apostles taught. This is, this is what the love of God is for, to bring a certain oneness among his people. Absolutely. This is what it's for. Um, and he says, out of that amazing love comes peace. The peace that comes from Christ, may it rule in your hearts. Uh, for as members of one body, that's what we are, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. We were talking about that in class this morning too. Thankfulness and peace go together. And they're driven by love. You, you will never, ever get peace firmly planted in your heart and your mind until the love of God is in the process of transforming you big time. You won't. You'll, you'll be a fretful little mess until the love of God really takes hold of you. And then you start getting some peace. When you understand how much God loves you and how merciful God is being to you even now, right now, this second, uh, it brings great peace and thankfulness. Okay, we better get moving. Um, what, what does all this mean? These different passages, these different verses. Um, we hear Jesus early on in John 13 saying, I'm giving you an example. And then, and then we hear Peter talking about that later. You know, Jesus is your example, following his steps. But it's interesting. In this case, Jesus is doing something. He's washing feet, which Farron loves. 
we washing feet in order to <laughs> to share to really show and demonstrate to pour himself out to show how much he actually loves his followers he's doing this thing that nobody else really wants to do he's doing it for them to show them how much he loves them but peter when he's talking about the example of christ he's talking about suffering jesus ended up going through suffering, not only getting down and washing his followers' feet, but then actually going through suffering for them. For them. And it's, uh, it's, it's part of the precursor for you and I to learn, oh, if he went through suffering for me, then I might need to go some, through some suffering with him. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, we see... Um, not only in that passage, but we see in Matthew 12, 7, some very explicit things about mercy. You know, all the way back to Exodus 34, where God's explaining to Moses who he is. It's all about mercy. It's all about this abounding love, uh, merciful God. That's who he is. And I think it's interesting that in this particular case, it's, it's one of several spots in the Gospels where it's, it's brought up. Uh, he, God is saying, I desire mercy. I desire mercy. Sometimes you and I don't want to give mercy. We want to do activity A, B, and C to feel good about ourselves and to help the church, but we don't want to show mercy to this person over here who is stinky to us 14 times, 160 times. The love of God is for mercy. Jesus' sacrifice Mercy. He desires mercy. Not whatever you and I want to do as service. I'm going to choose how I'm going to serve, but I'm never going to forgive her or forget that thing. You know, no, it doesn't work that way. That's not, what, that's not the way love operates. Agape, the pure, holy love of God, the only, the only glue that actually brings unity about, it actually has in it mercy. Tender-hearted mercy. That's, I know some Christians who, they're not, they're not there yet. They, they know a bunch of stuff in their head, but they are not there yet in terms of consistently showing tender mercy to other human beings. Um, this, this is something we really need to spend some time on because it will build up the unity of the body. And then finally, uh, Jesus himself, Matthew 14, 14, uh, he had compassion on them. This is the way Jesus saw things. You want to be like Jesus, you want to follow his example, then you, you actually, on purpose, intentionally, deliberately, have mercy on people, have compassion on people in situations that, you know, at, at first glance, your first gut reaction is, man, they deserve that. This is, uh, this is what the love of God uh, is supposed to um, bring to us. Now... One of my favorite French writers in 1600 said this, uh, François Fénelon, says, Through your weakness, learn compassion toward the faults of others. I think you read these passages. Sincere prayer will soften your heart and make you gentle, kind, and pliable in God's hands. Do you want God to be as critical of you as you are of others? I think this is a very practical question. 
Because there are times when you and I kind of get on people a little bit. You know, somebody didn't do their best, they kind of messed up or whatever. And, and you know, you can actually kind of harp on people. And I, I, there are times when I, I'm feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm being a little bit critical here. And I've I got to stop myself because it's, it's, it's not uh, about the love of God. And the first thing you have to do is you have to go to prayer. You have to spend time with the God of love in order for this love to really stay fully operational. And it's in a prayer. Prayer. Um, this was the challenge. Uh, you want unity in a body? You get people praying for each other by name. You get people praying together during the week. Now we have some people here who are prayer partners. We have people who have been partnering in prayer every week for the last three years. Guess what's happened? They went from not knowing each other to being very close. Guess what else happened? When you and I start praying together, even for other people in the body, our hearts are softened toward them. Yeah, people who maybe they were being bullies, maybe they said really dumb stuff, you know, but you can actually pray for people who are who have faults, who are doing some dumb things. You can pray for them, and your heart ends up being different toward them. And then God can do something. He can actually do something. The mercy of God can be functional at work. And uh, I just think this is a good challenging uh, question from uh, Fenelon. Um, C.S. Lewis says this, to be an, a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That's what Jesus Christ did. Sometimes we give ourselves a pass. You know, oh, I grew up in the church. I, I, I didn't really do anything too bad. <laughs> no, you, you do all kinds of stupid stuff. You, you, there's so many different sins that human beings, you know, just do wanting their own way. Every time somebody is being self-centered, they're sinning all over the place. Yeah. And I, I, I know a few of us, you know, we can, we can take turns being self-centered. It's possible. But that's when sin happens, the will of God gets obscured. Um, and, and it gets in the way of, of unity. Um, Never does the human soul ever become so strong as when it dares to forgive an injury. You want to grow spiritually? You fully forgive some people that you have not quite forgiven. You really want to get strong spiritually? You forgive them. And I'm telling you, you will get faith muscles. You'll get faith muscles. And you will, you will end up not getting stuck so often. Because people are going to do some dumb stuff. And every time somebody does something dumb to you, are you going to get stuck? No. You need to be able to forgive them so that you can keep moving and get stronger in your faith. You push closer to God. You pray for them in a different way. And you see what God does. You see what he does. May the God of El Peace fill you with all chara, it's a little different from chorus. Uh, chara is joy, joy, and erene, 
Like the name Irene means peace. Peace. Peace as you trust in him. The God of this certainty, of this hope, will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That's the way it works. The God who loves you, but you have to exert. You have to do something. <laughs> you, you have to exert your faith um, and, and put your hope, your confidence completely in him so that you may overflow with El peace by the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. This is where the power of God comes into a life. This, this is one of the things that drives me crazy is, is milk toast Christians. You know what a milk toast Christian is? Okay, well it's kind of an old fashioned phrase, but it just means a, a Christian who's kind of not brave, who is kind of on the fence, who doesn't really have a deep passion, isn't really willing to go wherever Jesus takes them. Um, This is one of the things that Paul is very clear about to the Romans, that all of this good stuff happens and it goes into overflow mode by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, it's the Holy Spirit who, we're trying to preserve the unity of whom? Of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is why we are one in the first place. If you weren't baptized into Christ and you didn't have the Spirit of God in you, we wouldn't be one. We'd just be a bunch of people sitting in here. But we are brought together as the people, holy people of God, by His Spirit, one in the Spirit, thank you for singing that, we are brought together for this purpose, so that joy and peace can be there, and this hope can overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, when this is going on, uh, there are fewer skirmishes in congregations. Let me just say that, okay? Uh, people quit, pick at each other, and they, they are taken over by God. They're actu- the reign of God is actually at work in their minds and their hearts. Uh, Paul says this uh, to the Ephesians, God, who is abundant in mercy, man, that sounds like Exodus 34, God talking out loud to Moses, God, who is abundant in mercy because of his great agape that he had for us, when did he have this agape for you? Was this an afterthought? No, before he makes the universe, before he designs everything, he loves you. 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 Because of his great agape that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, by grace you were saved. It's the mercy of God that saves you. So of course you and I are going to be trying to live out this mercy, right? It's it's the saving thing. This, This love of God, this mercy of God at work in our lives, this, this is what saves us. Um, let us grow in every way into him, the whole body, everybody. When we're growing together, this is why we have the grow class upstairs and the disciple class and several other things going on and even BHR. All of this is meant to help us grow spiritually and keep growing because Christianity is not static. You, you don't learn, you know, 4,500 pieces of data and you're all done 
It's ongoing. And we get to keep learning. It's, it is the most awesome process you could possibly imagine that God has designed. But we're supposed to keep on growing together in every way into him, into his likeness, into the, increasingly into the image of the Son. The whole body fitted and knit together. Do you know this, this congregation here isn't just thrown together? You know, all of the visitors who come and see us and all the different people that have joined us in the last so many years, uh, in fact, we've more than doubled since, uh, since Cheryl and I got here, all the people that have come to this congregation, they came for God's reason. And they might not even know it. They might not even know it. They just thought, oh, I, you know, I saw it in the Internet. and I just, I just No, they, 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 actually, God brought them here for a reason. And it has something to do with this. Um, the more you and I are focused on what God is doing, on, on what matters to Jesus Christ, unity will win out every time. Uh, we're knit together. There's some give here. This is Ephesians chapter 4. And building itself up in agape. What are you guys, get, you know, what are we going to do together to really build up the unity of the body? We're going to learn how to love each other more. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And if you and I spend time thinking about, how can I love this person more? How can I love that person more? How can I be th- more thoughtful to that person? How can I help that person more? How can I serve that person? If you're thinking about that, guess what's going to happen? God is going to build the unity of this body. And we are going to be a shining light. We're going to be the love of God demonstrated. Um, now, just real quickly, I want to make a quick note here out of 1 John 4. Um, John says, Whoever doesn't demonstrate agape does not know God. Okay? 1 John 4, chapter, or verse 8, rather. Whoever doesn't demonstrate agape does not know God. For God is agape. How can it be that you have all these followers of Jesus Christ sitting in church buildings everywhere, uh, getting upset with each other every week? How is that possible? If they're paying any attention to the apostles, they're going to get corrected right here. You and I need to be corrected right here. If I am, am really... If I am really knowing God, if I'm spending time with God, if I, if I am pushing into God and I know his character, his character is love. I'm going to become a more loving person. And if I don't, something is wrong. Something is wrong. This is, this is we, we, we can't be uh, lazy about this. This is where unity uh, has, has an issue. Um, his agape is brought to full expression in us. That's verse 12. His agape is brought to full expression. All of God's people together, we're supposed to be known for loving people. What actually messes up people in the world? All these hypocrites. Cheryl's dad used to say that, son. All these hypocrites. Yeah, I think he went to church once and he's like, oh man, they're just like everybody else. These hypocrites, they talk about this and that, but man, they get all upset with each other just like everybody else and blah, blah, blah. There's got to be a difference, right? There's got to be a difference. 
If Jesus Christ comes all this way and he pours himself out completely and then his Holy Spirit is pouring out the character of God into us every day, all day long, shouldn't there be a difference? There should. And there is. There is. He talks about this, uh, the Apostle John. This is real love, verse 10. This is real love. Don't be, don't be thinking the, the world knows something about love. The world knows nothing about love. This is real love. He loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Which is awesome. He took away your sins completely. That's mercy. That's grace. That's love. Verse 17, we live like Christ here in the world. That's verse 17. Do you and I live like Christ here in the world? Um, Our unity is a part of that witness, a part of that living like Christ. Verse 19, we love each other because he first loved us. Even if it is hard work, we need to love each other more and more. Such agape has no fear because perfect agape expels all fear. Verse 18, this is one of Ian's favorite verses. Agape has no fear in it. It's the most constructive, productive, motivating force ever. That's why it's the greatest thing the apostles teach. No fear because perfect agape expels all fear. When you end up really knowing the love of God, you will not be dominated by fear. You'll be dominated by love. Everything you do will be motivated by love. Not worry, not fear. You know that most of the advertising on TV is about fear. You know that, right? You know most politics is about fear. You know that, right? The world is a very manipulative place and you are our prime target. The world is, Satan is trying to manipulate you so that you will not be dominated by the character of God in your living and in your thinking, in your interactions, in your relationships. But this unity thing, this oneness thing is what God wants in marriage. It's what he wants among his people, because this is what love does. This is what the character of God is about. Oneness. It's about oneness. It's not about something else. It's not about tolerating each other. And then 1 John 5, 4 says, Every child of God defeats this evil world. We achieve the victory... The victory through faith. You and I need to have enough faith, enough confidence in God that we actually do what the apostles are telling us to do that will bring about this unity, this unity that is so important. Paul said to the Colossians, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in agape. That's what God wants for you, wants for us. He wants us to be encouraged and encouraging and joined together in love, in agape. 
And we'll leave it here at Ephesians chapter 4. Always be humble and gentle. This is what the love of God brings. Humble and gentle. I, I can tell with myself when this is not going on. Can you tell with yourself when you are not being humble and gentle? I think most human beings can tell this. If you have any self-awareness at all. But this is the starting place for unity. This is the unity chapter. Ephesians chapter 4. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults. Hmm, there it is again. Because, why? Because of your love. The love that Jesus is trying to teach us. The love that Jesus brought to us. The love that the Holy Spirit of God is pouring out into us. Romans 5, 5. Make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. With peace. When you walk into this place, when you walk into any kind of a gathering of your brothers and sisters, there should be peace. Because the motivating factor, the greatest thing, is the love of God. And wherever the love of God is, the peace of God is there. The peace of Christ rules in our hearts as we submit ourselves to him and follow his example. For there is one body and one spirit. That's the unifying thing that God has done for us. Not only did God put together a bunch of interesting people, you know, this is a pretty eclectic group, you know. Did you see this morning, did you see how big this morning's group was? It's pretty big tonight, but, but this morning we were like full house, but almost both services really. Full house. And I'm telling you, the difference, all the differences that are represented in this body, it's vast. The diversity of people in this body is vast. But that is what God wants. God wants to bring something beautiful out of his love, bringing every kind of person from every nation, every tribe together so that the reign of God can be seen and experienced. And not only here on earth, but into all eternity. And that's what Revelation is talking about. John's actually sharing pictures of what that's going to be like. Surrounded, just totally submerged in the holy love of God. No nonsense. Everything that the apostles tell us to get rid of, malice, bitterness, hatred, all of it's gone. will be gone. It will be gone. And that's why this unity is so important, because... He is preparing us to be one with him for all eternity, just like Jesus is talking about in John 17. If you're here tonight and you have not been baptized into Jesus Christ, you have not started that walk, uh, you need to talk to me right afterwards. We'll stand and sing.